The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebly and Toth. So, uh, you gotta, you gotta forgive me if uh, I sound a little, a little down, a little, uh... What's the problem? What's the problem, Linz? I just, uh, I just got off the phone with my mom. I had a very, very difficult phone call, and um, oh no! Are, should we continue? Are, is Are everything you feeling okay? all right? Yeah, she, she told me the truth about Santa Claus. Oh no! Yeah. What? What truth? I don't want to say in case you know there are other people who haven't gotten the phone call, but. Mm. Wow. And and your mom I'm, is 92 now, right? She's she's 90. And she 90. Okay. waited for some reason until today to What tell, a dick. Tell me. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, in a little way I'm relieved because it never really made sense to me. Sure. When you yeah. start doing the math and you think, well, okay, 30 seconds a house minimum and you start yeah. counting the houses on your street and right there that's, you know, that's 15 minutes and the whole world how do you want to postpone our recording no i think you're going you're going first anyway so i will use your story to uh, the the time to kind of regenerate all right okay back Um, i'm sorry so so this past christmas is the last christmas that you've ever had you'll ever have with all the magic because she told you right after the holidays and now going forward everything is dark and gloomy yeah yeah i mean it was it was a suck-ass year to begin with and then this yeah, right. yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm so. <laughs> it's it's sad, but it was time that you learned I guess, that I guess. Santa has drifted off to sea. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he'll find a, an island somewhere with a shady tree. With a shady tree. Okay. Mama says she's tired again. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> you know, if Papa were here, he'd he'd tell her. <laughs> Once upon a time. Uh huh. There was a man named Daniel Gabriel Doyle. That's a nice name. Nice name. Not a nice guy. Uh Uh-oh. Daniel lived in Lafayette, Georgia, Walker County, 
At 39 years old, Daniel had, Daniel had settled into his vocation of choice, which was apparently cooking meth. Oh. Oh, jeez. Okay. It was Tuesday, July 22nd, and this was in, in 2004. It started like any other day for Daniel, I would imagine. After a hearty breakfast, he got right down to the meth cooking. <laughs> um, he was hard at work in his lab, and uh, right in the middle of a very delicate part of the process of his evil alchemy, if you will. He heard a knock on his front door. Oh boy, not good. He was startled, you know, sure, I mean, he's sure. cooking up meth. What if it's the popo? Well, that's what he thought. He was he was concerned that was the case. So he, he scootled out to the front and, and peeked through the curtain mm-hmm. to see what he could see. And outside he saw two very official looking people and what appeared to be a government vehicle parked in his driveway. Yeah, yeah. It was only, it was only two social workers but they needed to see him about something. And the fact that it was a government vehicle, it startled Daniel, as it would startle a meth cooker. Uh, Daniel quickly returned to his lab and frantically hid all the incriminating evidence. I, I, <laughs> I picture him then, like, smoothing his hair back and brushing any meth off his sleeves <laughs> as he takes a deep breath, walks to the front door, swings the door open with the widest of smiles to face his, right. uh, his visitors. <laughs> Not exactly sure what the business was the social workers had, but whatever it was, it required Daniel to fill out some forms. So they escorted him back to the car, and Daniel climbed in the back to fill out said forms. The social workers handed him the paperwork, a clipboard, and a pen, and Daniel got to writing. Meanwhile, the two social workers sat waiting for him in the front seat. Suddenly and mysteriously, they noticed a thin waft of smoke drifting from the back of the car. Huh. Hmm. And then Daniel began squirming a little bit in his seat. One law enforcement official said he apparently kept fiddling with the right front pants pocket. Now, Daniel obviously has made lots of mistakes in his life. I would call these poor life decisions. Right? Yes, I think that that's fair and generous on your part. But up to this point, the most recent one the most recent mistake that he had made was before he answered the door, he hid red phosphorus and iodine. He put it in the same film canister and stuck it in his pocket. Oh, sure, that sounds like fun, <laughs> you're probably thinking. I wasn't, but go ahead. <laughs> For some people, perhaps it is, but I wouldn't recommend it. The combined chemicals started to heat up. It was a chemical reaction. And pretty soon, it reached a temperature of 278 degrees oh Fahrenheit. Oh, God. It was at this point, witnesses said, Daniel's pants exploded. (laughs) The explosion filled the state government vehicle with flames, smoke, and noxious fumes. Putting red phosphorus and iodine in the same film canister created a uh, a chemical reaction that caused Daniel's pants to explode. Nearly blowing his dick off in the process. <laughs> oh, no. I notice a trend in your stories, Jethro, but go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last two stories about been about stupid people blowing their dicks off. According to one social worker who witnessed the event, quote, all of a sudden a loud bang happened and fire shot from his pants. <laughs> it severely damaged the inside of the state vehicle, burned the clothing of the case workers, And uh, one official said the state might have to destroy the vehicle because of contamination. Mm. (laughs) So law enforcement understandably show up 
They report to the scene and deputy sheriffs raided the house, discovering Daniel's meth lab. Daniel suffered second and third degree burns to his testicles and legs, according to Sheriff's Major Hill Morrison. A Walker County Sheriff's official said, quote, that's one for the books. <laughs> I've been in this business for 35 years, and that was a first. <laughs> the caseworkers were treated for minor injuries in Lafayette. Daniel, meanwhile, was airlifted to the medical center in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and then jailed and charged with possession and manufacturing of methamphetamines. Wow. In a totally unrelated story that I just had to include for no other reason than because I found it hilarious, a man in Idaho Falls, Idaho, was arrested after trying to hold up a coffee stand with a banana. <laughs> Police reported that a guy named Louis Leon Bryson, 38, didn't try to disguise the banana or make it look like a weapon in any way. He just brandished a piece of fru fruit and demanded the barista give him money. Hmm. He said, quote, this is a stick up. The barista, whose name was Bailey Wynn, assumed understandably that this was some sort of a joke and began laughing. The man then menacingly pointed the banana right at her head. <laughs> what are you going to do? Make sure I get all of my daily allowance of vitamin K? <laughs> he then realized it wasn't going well, so he took off without taking anything. He was charged with disrupting the piece and possession of a controlled substance, I'm assuming they're not referring to the banana. <laughs> and the thing is, there seem to have been other reports after they arrested him. He had done this before. Oh, no. And gotten away with it. He had done this before with a banana and, and it worked? No, it, he didn't get away with it then either, but oh. he just kept kept doing it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, thinking eventually the banana thing has got to work. <laughs> Sooner or later, I'm going to come into contact with someone who's terrified of fresh fruit. It reminds me of the uh, old Monty Python skit. You remember that? How to, oh, yeah. How to defend yourself against somebody attacking you with fruit. With a banana. And they just pull out a pistol and yeah. shoot him. It was John Cleese, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. Oh, the world is full of silly, silly people. My source information was uh, accesswdun.com, Fox News, and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. <laughs> nice. You're in the shallow end with Schnabley and Toth. You see them playing in your local parks and schools. You read about them in the paper. Even your neighbors talk incessantly about how much they love this new sport. Yeah! But we've had enough. We're AAP, Americans Against Pickleball. We think this sport is a disgrace. First off, it's a stupid name. Anything with the word pickle in it is dumb. Unless you're talking about real pickles, that's okay. Except for the sweet ones. Second, your little pickleball nets are taking up space that could be used by people playing tennis. That's a real sport. Third, pickleball isn't even exercise. You're just standing there swatting at that stupid little ball like it's a fly at a picnic. You look dumb doing that. People are laughing at you and you don't even know it because you're too busy playing pickleball. And if you know someone who plays pickleball, sit them down and tell them they're stupid and you hate them. It's time to end pickleball. This message has been paid for by AAP, Americans Against Pickleball. Partially funded by the American Lawn Bowling Association. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir de zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. This is your friendly lifeguard with a public service announcement. Stay out of the fucking deep end! You're in the shallow end with Schnapply and Toth. Before we get into the uh, the emails, I wanted to mention the headline of the article that uh, grabbed my attention for the story that I just told you. The headline was, Man's Pants Explode While Filling Out Social Security Forms. Yeah, baby. Now that's some headline writing. You can't not read that. Yeah. When I was in... Uh, when I was in college at the University of Arizona in Tucson, the Harvard of the Southwest, of course, I uh, I would read every day the Arizona Daily Wildcat. That was the campus mm-hmm. newspaper, you know, and it was it was put together by by journalism students, journalism majors, and minors, and it was it was always fun to read. It was like a little tabloid size paper. But I remember one time there was a story that the uh, Tucson City Council had passed some law that had something to do with the sale of adult toys, <laughs> prohibiting it or restricting it or something. And the headline in the Arizona Daily Wildcat was dildo ban erected. <laughs> <laughs> and you could just picture these students sitting around at 10 o'clock at night thinking, okay, what, what can we come up with for this story on sex toys? <laughs> I love it. Uh, loves me a good headline. We loves us some good email. Our email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Here's one from a, uh, a listener, 
uh, named Cat. K-A-T. Go fig. Cat says, hey guys, my name is Cat, parentheses, Catherine, and I've been listening to the boo for a long time. I distinctly remember messaging you guys on Facebook about why vampires don't have reflections. Anyway, to the point of this email, my husband, JG, what? What? Cat and JG. Wow. My husband, JG, grew up in North Pole, Alaska. Yes, really. He was right next to the Santa house and would write letters back to kids that wrote to Santa for an English grade. Being North Pole, Alaska, it gets effing cold there, like negative 60. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Wow. He decided he wanted to try the thing from a Christmas story. Smart boy. He went out to a frozen pole, stuck his tongue to the pole, and proceeded to freak out and rip off a portion of his tongue. Yikes. He went back to class with a bloody mouth like nothing was wrong. Honestly, that seems right. I've known this man for 10 years, and yeah, that feels right. (laughs) Whenever I hear about anyone sticking their tongue to anything frozen, I have my husband stick his nubbin tongue out at them (laughs) and just laugh at the horror on their faces. Oh, my God. Uh, TLDR, my dum-dum husband of 10 years, has a nubbin tongue because he watched a Christmas story in North Pole, Alaska, and decided, yep, that's a good idea. Love you guys, Cat and JG. <laughs> well, Cat and JG. Cat and JG. Nuts. Isn't that wild? Which is interesting because we uh, owned some property years ago and sold it to a couple named Cat and JG. That's true, yeah. That was Seriously? Yeah. 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 Wow. That's very cool. Did you guys get a photo, a four-shot? No, no. I was just so happy to be rid of that land. Yeah, we This is Cat and JG standing next to Cat and JG. That's Cat and JG on the right. <laughs> we just took the money and peeled out. Yeah. I don't blame you. We also got an... Brodies. We also got an email from Kimberly. And this is interesting. It actually leads us into my next story. It's a link... And it says, man with World War I explosive lodged in his rectum sparks bomb scare. <laughs> bomb scare or bum scare? <laughs> and she says, hey, you guys, Boo and TSC are the only two podcasts my husband and I enjoy together. Been a fan since episode three. I presume she means of box of oddities keep up the amazing absurdities oh yeah i first heard the bricklayer's tale in the 1970s in reader's <laughs> digest as the health and safety person for my company this story keeps coming up ignore the poo pooers a good story is a good story i love it Agreed. thank you kimberly so when i first looked at this link that she sent i ignored it because i thought no 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 no. jg already already did the story about the the guy with the uh, artillery shell Mm-hmm. Uh, lodged in his backside. But for some reason, clicked on it and thought, wait a second, this is a brand new story. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's some sort of a munitions in a bomb in your bum epidemic. It's a, it's a thing, I guess. You wouldn't think, as we've said before, you shouldn't have to tell people, hey, if, if the, the train track crossing signs fall down, don't drive around the signs to get mm. through because you might get yeah. hit by a train and yet you kind of have to tell people that. You do. So this is from the New York Post. They said, the case have left doctors shell-shocked. <laughs> <laughs> a French hospital was partially evacuated Saturday after a senior citizen arrived with a World War I artillery shell 
Wait, a senior citizen? Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Arrived with a World War I-era artillery shell lodged in his rectum. (laughs) The 88-year-old patient visited Hospital Santé-Mousset in Toulon. I hope I did that right. To have the antique explosive removed, but instead sparked a bomb scare. What? You ask. (laughs) They go on to say an emergency occurred from 9 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. on Saturday night that required the intervention of bomb disposal personnel, the evacuation of adult and pediatric emergency rooms, as well as the diversion of incoming emergencies, according to a hospital spokesperson. The reason is they didn't know if this shell could still potentially explode. So they said we had to manage the risk in a reactive framework. When in doubt, we took all the precautions. So they end up calling bomb disposal experts who ultimately, after they get get to the hospital, talk to the guy, learn how old the shell is and why he ended up with it in his body. (laughs) Didn't we have a nurse write in and say, everybody says I fell on it? Yeah, Yeah, we did have somebody say that. Um, I'm wondering, though, he's 88 years old. Has it been in there since World War II? (laughs) (laughs) He was storming the beach at Normandy and felt a sharp twang in his rear end. He ignored it for decades until he just couldn't take it anymore. So these bomb disposal experts determined that there is very little possibility that this thing is going to explode. They reassured us by telling us that it was a collector's item from the First World War used by the French military. So they begin subsequently, the doctors, trying to remove this object, which measured eight inches long and more than two inches wide from the man's backside. It's believed, they say, that the patient inserted the item for sexual pleasure. No. One doctor said an apple, a mango, even a can of shaving foam. We're used to finding unusual objects <laughs> inserted where they shouldn't be, but a shell, an artillery shell, this was a first. Well, they couldn't get it out. Oh no. Oh. So they end up taking the guy into surgery. And they had to cut into his abdomen in order to remove it. Oh, my God. Now, apparently, he is in good health, expected to make a full recovery. But it just made me think, is this peculiar to the UK? Is it peculiar to Europe? And in doing a little research, came across this fact. The UK's National Health Services says that emergency room doctors every year in the UK pull more than 400 objects from people's backsides. 400, more than 400 every single year. Mm. Yeah, I think that when I did a similar story earlier in uh, Shallow End, I had come across statistics that would back that up, if you pardon the <laughs> expression. Um, it's, it seems to be some sort of a problem over in the UK. More than 400. So just doing the math, that means more than once a day. If there are 365 days in a year Mm -hmm. and they're saying we get this happening more than 400 times every year, you've got multiple days where more than one person is going to show up and say, I fell on this. (laughs) The National Health Services study also found that people in their 20s were the most likely to attempt this act, followed by people in their early 50s oh, and wow. i and i oh. think so 
if I understand what you're saying, people in, in their 20s are most likely, that means in your 30s and 40s, you realize, no, not a good idea. But when you get to your early 50s, it's been long enough that you think, you know, maybe, maybe I could try this yeah. and it would all be okay. I'm over 50. What have I got to lose? Yeah, I don't see what could go wrong. Wow. Maybe that's it. Maybe they just, they're at a point in their life where they're a little more adventurous. You know, I haven't tried that whole mortar shell in the ass thing yet. I just turned 50. I'm a little bored. I don't want my life to just become, you know, meaningless. There's nothing that excites me anymore. I'm not, right. I'm not into skydiving, but what could I do that might be slightly dangerous? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember that World War One era artillery shell in the garage? The one by the floor? In the, in the last story that I did about mortar shells in, in people's butts, um, the guy said that... <laughs> Such a weird thing to say. <laughs> the guy said he told the uh, attending physician that he was... Uh, it was part of his collection, and he was oiling his munitions. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. Uh-huh. They caught uh-huh. him oiling okay. his munitions. Yeah, he was oiling his mun- munitions, all right. That's that's up there with the six-inch rocket from your story of the previous episode. <laughs> yeah, yes, it certainly is. We got an email uh, in regards to that story. Uh, I don't know if... I don't think we talked... Uh, maybe we talked about it on, on Box of Oddities, but... Uh, a woman who works in a nursing facility uh, was relaying a story about an elderly gentleman, uh, you know, in his 80s, who they had to remove an electric toothbrush oh. from his from his butt. Mm. Oh, and th- thinking, you know, he's in his 80s. Clearly, it is nothing, you know, and, and he was also paraplegic. Oh, he couldn't Lord. have put it in there himself, you know. And so they asked him thinking he's too old to find any sexual gratification in that and he couldn't put it in there himself anyway is somebody doing these horrible things to him and so they asked him how did that what how did you get a toothbrush in your butt and he said oh my dear we all have friends (laughs) (laughs) what a generous outlook right (laughs) (laughs) thanks for being a friend yeah You've got a friend in me. That's when we cue that song. <laughs> and, and a toothbrush, too, for that A matter. toothbrush. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. Got a toothbrush in me. Our email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. We thank you for all the emails you've sent with your compliments, with your commentaries, with your story ideas, with just everyday stuff, everyday life stuff that happens to you. Thanks for uh, making us a part of your week. We truly appreciate it. Also started getting some um, MP3s or or, um, audio recordings that people have made describing their shallow end moment. And I'm very excited about this and would encourage you to do the same. If you've got a shallow end story that you've experienced or you saw somebody else experience, uh, record it on your on your mobile device and email it to us. Shallow end podcast lifeguard at shallow end podcast dot com and. Probably it'll end up on a future episode. It's incredibly simple. Just record it on your phone and send it in. Doesn't have to be uh, done in a recording studio. No, God, no. This whole show isn't really. Well, your your side of it is. But yeah, you're the professional. Yeah, you guys are doing this on your phone, right? Yeah, that's pretty much what we're doing. <laughs> Lightweights. <laughs> I got me a fancy schmancy reel-to-reel recorder from the 1970s. 
my goodness. Aren't you Mr. Fancy recording pants? <laughs> Mr. Wallensack. How's that for an obscure <laughs> reference? Wow, we keep being coming more and more obscure. As, I think I'm uh, aging as, myself yeah. every less single Less and episode. less relevant yeah. as we speak. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> the old people's Thanks podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. Make good choices for crying out loud. Your life may very well depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. All content copyright 2022. Misuse of this podcast may result in serious injury or even death. Follow all label directions. This offer void in Fort Kent, Maine, and Tucson, Arizona. And parts of Orlando. Don't ask, just trust us. Okay, gotta go.